With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, podcast listeners. I'm going to tell you about, of course, the Boardroom Surfport Show presented by U.S. Blanks coming up September 25th and 26th of 2021. Just as we head into the fall and winter surf seasons, we will have a hall filled with the entire surfboard manufacturing industry, surfboards, fins, wetsuits, hard goods, seminars, live shaping, laminating, music, best in show. It's going to be another surfboard extravaganza. This year, honoring Icon of Foam, Pat Rawson, and we've got a whole host of really exciting Exhibits and demos and tap. The Boardroom Surfboard Show, presented by U.S. Blanks. September 25th and 26th, Delmar Fairgrounds. More information at boardroomshow.com. And if you're a guitar lover, i got to tell you about Headstock Guitar Lovers Festival coming to San Diego, November 6th and 7th. Luthiers, manufacturers, gear, amps, electronics, accessories, a hall filled with with gorgeous guitars. And of course, live music featuring Peter Sprague, Andy Powers, Dusty Brow, many others. Food, beer, guitars, live music, good times. What's not to love? Headstock Guitar Lovers Festival. More information can be found at guitarloversfestival.com. Daniel Thompson, Tomo, or is it Tomo? I'm never quite sure about that. Regardless, for those of you that require a shaper who absolutely rips, Daniel checks that box. And, of course, he also thinks and therefore designs outside of the box, pushing the boundaries of how we visualize surfboards and surfboard design. On this episode of the Boardroom Podcast, we get into the weeds of his latest designs and a lot of other topics. On this episode of the Boardroom Podcast, Daniel Thompson. Let us begin. Daniel Thompson, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Good to see you. Thanks, Scott. Good to see you, mate. It's been a long time. Yeah. How long has it been? Jeez, oh, it'd have to be... When was the last boardroom show? Uh, in the 2019. 
2019. So there you go. It's a couple of years. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and I imagine you've um, you're just kind of in Australia. I mean, there's no reason or no need or there's it's really too much of a pain in the ass for you to leave. Yeah, basically, I guess we we can't really leave. Or we can't if you if you have a business um, excuse, you can get exemptions to travel. But as a, in a general sense, the Australian government's just banned all ingoing and outgoing flights for everybody unless you have a critical need to fly overseas. Yeah, and and how do you think that's going for you for Australians in general? The way that your government's reacted. Um, there's, I guess there's two sides of the story. On one side, it's definitely kept the pandemic to a minimum over here. They've got it well in control. Um, so that's a plus. Um, but on the negative side, now that everything's kind of opening back up and people are traveling again, going on surf trips. I mean, you guys are at least from what I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're kind of still stuck in this very overly cautious nanny state in a sense. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of give and take, but I guess if there's somewhere to be stuck, it's, it's not a bad place to be stuck, you know. It's, it's winter for us now and there's good waves and, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's worse problems out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. So the waves have been fun. Huh? I've, been, I've been scouring your Instagram. It looks like you've been getting some fun surf. Yeah, it's been a – I'd say, you know, it's early winter. We've, we've had a reasonably good start to the um, – to the season we've got to have had a few nice swells and yeah. um sandbanks are okay not as good as last year last year was our was a really kicker winter for us we had a, a bunch of great days a lot of consistent good days so it'll be hard it'll be a hard act to follow last winter but um yeah anyway we're doing all right so when you say the sandbanks were good last year obviously that just means you know some sand moved down the point and was just really good for whatever reason i mean do you do you attribute the reason that the sand was so good to anything yeah well um i don't know i think that's the biggest factor in in a, in a quality year of surf here we generally in east coast of australia got fairly consistent um swell coming from the you know antarctic or whatever just south south low pressure systems kind of spin up every every week or every other week at, at at worst so we got a pretty consistent swell window in winter so the quality of surf really comes down to our sandbars and how how much sand movement there is and and um you can attribute that to a bunch of different reasons where there's been a lot of rain and 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 the rivers blow out and, and, and push a lot of sand around that way or or it's just a natural flow you know you can't really um predict it so much so yeah mm. and and is Lennox Head sort of your go-to or do you have some other little fun little zones that, that you surf or is Lennox kind of the only wave in town? You no, know, it's not the only wave in town, that's for sure, but it's the, the highest quality wave in town. That's our world-class point break. But, um, yeah, right around the corner we've got another beautiful little point break and, and several kind of waves. So this, this little area is a very wave-rich little part of the coastline. There's some good beach breaks, Odd, odd little reef or two, and and like a river mouth set up um, in Ballina that's very similar to D Bar, kind of mm-hmm. bigger scale version of that um, river jetty kind of style setups. And mm-hmm. so yeah, we got we got fairly fairly um, wave dense area, lots of options depending on conditions. And but um, yeah, Lennox Point is always the the premier wave around here, especially in winter time. 
Yeah. And what's the, what's the population? What's Lennox Head like for people that don't know the town of Lennox, the town of Ballina? What's that area like? Like how many people live there? Is it similar to, say, the Encinitas area or I don't know? Mm, it's getting that way. It's, it's, it's a very rural country area in a general sense, but um, the population and the city is closing in really quick. You know, like mm. it's, it's um, one of the most populous places in the real estate market in the whole of the country right now. Oh, lots of movie stars are transplanting from Hollywood and over there to here, and and then oh, the developments wow. are just going up left, right, and center. Like you're just watching them go up every year. Right. So it's getting it's getting far more crowded in the ocean and in the in the sense of like traffic and infrastructure, and that's not quite um, projected to cope as as it's growing. But that being said, you know we're still um, you know a, a, a pretty rural zone and a it's definitely real beautiful green and a lot of a lot of space. You get a sense of space, but um, yeah, things are changing, man. <laughs> yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. You mentioned the um, the crowds, and I know here we've had this sort of COVID crowd phenomenon, and I know they've had it in Hawaii and in probably a lot of places. Is that something that you're experiencing there? A lot of just like uh, you know, like athletic aspirational newcomers that are just good enough to kind of get in your way because they're so athletic and they're 25 years old, but they just picked up a board for the first time. Yeah. There's all of that, man. But yeah. Like, like we said, cause, cause we can't travel. Um, you know, the, the, in Australia, everyone just comes to the wave ridge zones for their holidays now. So we've experienced probably the worst crowds we've ever seen in the last year. Um, yeah. So Gone are the days where you could kind of get a, like a sneaky little pumping sesh with a, a couple of locals out. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's 50 guys is a standard standard crowd on, on, on an average day, you know. So we're, we're like, yeah, and the other thing is we're only like less than 50 miles from the Gold Coast, you know. So yeah. and Byron Bay is a huge pop, tourist town that's only 10 miles down the coast. So it's, it's, everything's real, real close and, and um yeah, and the crowds are definitely, um, they're here, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're here. They're everywhere. That's just yeah. the world we live in. Population growth. It is. Um, what about vaccines? Are, is, the, is Australia vaccinating its population? Do you guys have access to vaccines? You know what? They, yeah, they do, and they're doing the rollouts and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, they're definitely pushing that um, on, the, on the news and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but... Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's, I think it's that stuff is all pretty similar for the U.S. and most countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, let's talk about surfboards a little bit. Um, here, there's just been an incredible demand for surfboards. Like, guys can't build boards fast enough, and the glass houses are slammed. People are opening up new glass shops to mm-hmm. get all the boards done. What's it like there regarding um, surfboard manufacturing? It's exactly the same um, story. Yeah, we're, we've experienced, you know, the the highest demand that we've ever seen, and um, yeah, the same the same story. The the glass shops are so slammed that you know the the wait times boards are. I think uh, the the latest from my glass shop was like seventeen weeks or something. <laughs> 
Oh my you know? god! Well, yeah, they, and I said, but I, I, I do wheel and deal to try and stay in business, you know. But um, it's a, it's these very unique um, new challenges, and um, for us, it's been yeah, wait times has been a problem, and um, and the other tr- tricky thing to deal with is shipping overseas. Um, the you know because everything's everyone's shipping and everyone's staying at home, and this online business model is growing throughout every industry. The world of shipping is very um, clustered, and therefore the um, prices are going up and up. So it's that's a challenge. So, um, but as far as global global um, sales and, and uh, firewire stuff, everything's going strong there. It's it's been good. What about um, like? Do you get? Do you just get random emails from guys like me that are like, "Hey, I found your website. I'd like a five ten. Like, do you just from like Singapore or from? You know, Indo or from here, probably a few from here. Do you yeah. get those types of emails and are you able to make those boards? Yeah, we absolutely can. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I've got a fairly broad um, customer base, I guess, just due to the, you know, people riding my boards all over the world through the through discovering them with the firewires and, and you know, so forth. So, um, yeah, we get, we get a lot of international customers for my customs. But um, yeah. I, you know, it's the same as as most custom businesses. You know, you got to just deal with the um, challenges of the shipping and the costings of that. But you can you can basically sh- build and ship a board anywhere. It just comes down to price. Yeah, yeah. And but and you're getting those orders. I mean, I can imagine because I was just looking at your Instagram. I'm like, shit. I should just have Daniel make me a board. <laughs> I was like, oh man. How yeah. am I going to get it? I bet he's super busy and swamped and it's going to be four months or six months. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, it's just the time. That's the time that's comes down to time. And um, yeah. yeah. So obviously that holds a lot of people back. They're like, oh, I don't want to wait, but you know, it's when they, when they go do the research, I think a lot of people are in similar, similar boat, you know, who's the lucky guy that, that gets like, I imagine you're a little sprightlier and younger and a much better surfer than I am. But I, I could imagine I could kind of look at your used bin in your backyard and, and look at a few boards and be like, Oh man, how about this one? Who's the lucky guy that gets some of your used cast offs? Um, well, I got, I got a, a friend who works with, with me, Hilton door. He's my uh, customer service manager. He, he, he uh, often distributes the uh, used boards or I got a lot of friends and associates around that are always, um, putting their hand up for some used boards. So then they're never hard to find a home for once I get rid of them. <laughs> I bet. How many boards are you currently, you personally, like what's it look like in your shed? Like, you know, you know me, I've, I've got like 20 boards. I'd probably only have eight that I'm going to. What's it like in your surf shed? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't keep a lot of just, um, I keep all the important boards in my, you know, design history. So I've got about like 50 boards that have been the keepers and are important in the timeline of um, my evolution in shaping. So I've got, got them and then I've probably got about a quiver about 20 or 30 that are in a kind of like a, a surf rotation of sorts, you know? So um, some of them are really old. Some of them are new. Some have complete prototypes. Some are prototypes I've ridden once and I'm like, nah, I don't like that one. (laughs) You know, and um, yeah, so yeah, I've got about twenty or thirty boards to, that I ride on any given day. So that's cool, though. So you've got you've got important boards from your legacy, and I'm just I'm wrapping my head around um, 
some of the names that I remember, but like the Raptor, right. Was, was one of your twin fins with those crazy hatchet fins. Like what, mm-hmm. like what was the number one board? Like if when we looked at your legacy, your lineage that you have stashed, what's the number one board? Like what's number, what's board number one look like? Well, in order in regards of um, popularity or in regards no. of my favorite. No, like, like if you were to go Scott, this is, this is the history of Daniel's shaping, and here's number one. You know, like what is number oh, yeah. one? Well, I don't know. It's a tricky. That's a tricky question. There's been a lot of um, standout boards that have been really unique and kind of breakthrough moments in 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 that time frame, especially back you know ten ten or so years ago. But I don't know. Probably the Vader would be the best, like completely out of the box, unique designs that that felt like just incredible and like gave me senses of speed and performance that i'd never experienced before it felt like a really like breakthrough unique um experience you know out above all like there's a lot of a lot of boards that would kind of fit that category but that that would probably if i had to choose one to like hang my hat on that would probably be it yeah Mm. yeah but isn't it true though that like you're i mean correct me if i'm wrong but you sort of cut your teeth riding just kind of a traditional fish that you were making so it seems to me that in your lineage like as we you know we're like okay this is the first 50 boards that daniel ever made it's probably i don't know is it it's probably one of those like fishes that that you were riding back yeah. then you know well i guess that's true and um that evolution was so it was really fast back then you know and a lot and you got to see a lot of that firsthand when that that really that really um, rich development period, you know, from like about 2005 to 2015, uh, you know, say. Yeah. And a, a lot of things, I was experimenting with a lot of really different boards from to what was currently, you know, out there in the mainstream or whatever. Yep. But, um, yeah, you know, from those really racy, narrow, gunny, like, fishes with, like, you know, under 18 inches wide and, and a lot of, and a lot of rocker, but you know, like that, even still, there's nothing really in that kind of category that you can go back to. So I think I, I, what I've realized at this point in time is like, there was a lot of concepts that I kind of unraveled back then. And even, even now I haven't really, um, you know, explored them to their full uh, potential. So it's kind of funny at this point in time in my career, I'm kind of looking backwards and going, I've done a lot of cool innovative things, but I, I think um, I don't want to get too far away from that and kind of go back and, and re-explore those concepts and because they were so functional and, and unique and, and modern and, and all those cool things. So there's, there's, you know, from a business sense, there's market um, equity in that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also there's, there's more to uncover from a uh, just a purely surfing experience from um, you know standpoint yeah. yeah that's pretty exciting that yeah. it's it, it sounds like the best is yet to come and you uncovered all this cool stuff and and you really it's it happens things are happening so fast that and this is true of all surfboard design like uh anyway my point is things are happening so fast that you didn't really get to chew on some of the concepts quite enough you know you you kind of chewed you took a bite and then you spat it on spat it out and you went to the next thing and it'd be fun to go back and kind of chew on some of these concepts again and Mm. and i do think that that's the case with 
with surfboard design in general. Like if you look at some of the sure. boards that were made in 1977, single fins or whatever, mm-hmm. I look at them, I go, those are cool outlines. I know they're slow as shit, but mm-hmm. there's got to be something we can do with that. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're completely right on that. Yeah, it's it's the same with surfboards in general. Um, you know, you can uh, you can look back and like I get this, you know, a lot. Like, you know, some of my most unique designs. It was like you'll get some guy like, oh, we did that in the seventies, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm sure you did, and that's that's absolutely rad because the concepts are very functional, and 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 people often, you know, through their own. Um, you know, journey on in shaping and designing will come across something very similar to that. But the difference is, is like like we we're saying, there's so there's so much to a an idea to develop it from um, concept through to um, a highly functional, um, innovative um, product or or um, a range of designs that come from that um, that type of uh, idea of designing whether it be a planing hull or a single fin or twin fin or whatever you know there's so many ways you can um, tune a surfboard to to go quite unique regardless of its fundamental fins or whatever so yeah there's 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 heaps of um there's still heaps of room to 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 mess around with you know those planing hull concepts different different ways you could make them smaller or um you know play with the volumes you know this is this is so much to do a million there. things right i mean like a million just... things and that's the that's the great thing about surfboard design right there's always a a new take on on something so and even even like let's say just as an example as a random thought we took you know one of your boards from let's just say i don't know 2009 and we just threw we just threw the bottom we threw the bottom away and we just decided to put an inch and a half of concave in the bottom, like something like Maurice would do or something like, I mean, now all of a sudden you've got a completely different surfboard, you know, like you've completely changed the bottom design everything else. It looks like a, a Tomo from 2009, but it's not, you know, I mean, that's, that's gotta be fun that you get to play around like that. 100%. And that's, you kind of cottoned onto what I'm up to right now. Is oh, really? We're going back to, you know, a lot of the original kind of shapes and then playing with different hull designs. I'm really, um, you know, messing around with some really unique hull, hull designs to get new feelings and unlock new um, lines that the ball will draw, you know. So I'm always searching for those those really unique um, new feelings out of a board. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not afraid to go to extremes to, to, find, to find those um, new exciting feelings and easier ways to ride waves um and then naturally you kind of like take those extreme experiments and and fine-tune them or 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 turn the dial back instead of to nine you turn it back to like four and a half and then all of a sudden you got something really really rad that you you never would have got there unless you went to the nine or the ten extreme to to kind of find out so it's always fun just messing around with new things so uh, it's it sounds like maybe you're putting some crazy concaves in, in your in your boards. Or, am, am yeah, I reading, yeah. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I'm definitely putting some crazy concaves in there, and um, yeah, even some different configurations too. It's like some some V and and all sorts of stuff too, and just yeah. trying, to, trying to unlock some new feelings out of that that world. So, what do you think about a board? So I'm writing a board right now. It's a three fin, and it is so dished out in, in the tail all around the fins, all the way back to the tail block. 
it's super dished. It might have an inch of concave, single concave through yeah. the tail, not just like, you know, it doesn't get flat at the tail. Mm. And I wrote it for the first time today and I'm like, wow, this thing, it's got so much lift and it's very lively. Mm. Any thoughts on super dishy tails? Yeah, you know, like I've done obviously a lot of messing around with concaves and, um, you know, they obviously work fantastic. They get, the, the great thing about concaves is they, like, you get the lift, right? You know, so you get the up and up and going, a lot of speed right off the mark. And, um, you know, they, they're real sensitive to the water, you know, when you put, put the board on rail, they respond. So that's, that's really cool. I've been um, playing a little bit with the V, v bottoms, you know, which is, is a kind of design that had its, had its purpose. It, it was really easy to turn, but um, it, was, it seemed to be a, a quite a bit like a, a doughy kind of slow reaction um, kind of board. So I'm having a bit of fun combining the world of concave and V into one board where it's got a ton of V but within the V, you've got these multiple concave sets, like a um, almost like a jet ski hull or a uh-huh. jet boat jet boat hull. Right. That the board will do both. It'll both create a tunnel lift, and once the board goes onto rail, you're surfing off um, oh, only a concave surface that's basically from the stringer line to the rail, which is a super narrow concave surface that all of a sudden gives you an incredible amount of speed and, and acceleration. So I've been, um, yeah, messing with these kind of con- combinations of multi-concave V-hulls, wow. which have been, um, yeah, super, super interesting. It's, yeah, like it's, there's still a bit of work to kind of get, get them into a digestible package for the average person. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the fun thing about my job description, man. I get to, I got a, like an open license to, to, to get weird and wonderful with the, the, the bottoms and, and designs of a surfboard. Well, and, and if you, if you mind, uh, I'd like to find out, does it look like, so at some point you, you get to go sort of in this really fun, crazy world of design and, and experiment and come up with some stuff. And then you go, and you go to the guys at Firewire and you're like, hey, here's what I'm thinking, you know, the next iteration is going to be, you know. And, like, how does that relationship work? How much pushback do they give you? I imagine they're like, okay, well, you rip on that thing, but can Scott rip on that thing? You know, like, can the average fat guy pull it off? You know, like, so tell me a little bit about that relationship, the designing the crazy cool stuff and then having to, you know, market it or get it so that Firewire is fired up on um yeah generally they they they're pretty good if i they they trust my um my judgment and i'm i'm generally the, the harshest critic on my um on my designs so and uh i do a lot of testing with with friends and 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 crew around here to make sure that everyone's kind of like really as most ex- as excited as i am about these designs but from a sense with with firewire um they're pretty they're pretty cool they'll let me basically you know put forward two or three designs every year or whatever that I think are, you know, the best of the best what I've been working on the last 12 months or so. And then from there, they'll, they'll pick what they believe to be the, the most marketable board 
out of the two or, or the three, you know, for the yeah. for them. And then, or, and if I have a, if they pick one that I feel is secondary to the one I'm most excited about, I'll, I'll, we can, you know, have a conversation and, and kind of a negotiation what we feel is going to be the best. And then, and quite often they will, um, you know, go with what I feel um, basically, you know, for a lot of reasons, one of them being that I'm, if I'm the most excited about a design, then I'm going to put the most energy into promoting it and marketing it and, and so forth. So it's, it's, we're generally pretty um we work really well together in that sense and they're really open to pushing whatever new thing i'm doing and is there a is there a certain number that they expect from you like are they like daniel's coming back to us in six months with two different designs or is there like a number like we want four and we'll pick two out of the four or is it well it, it, there's a lot of moving factors there you know they've obviously got a, a massive global business they're trying to manage and um there's only so much floor space in a surf shop that they can fit XYZ models from myself and, and Machado and everyone else in their, in their stable. So um, depending, depending on um, their bigger picture plans and, and how well that, you know, something of mine is sitting on racks and selling or, or whatever, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll determine whether a new model is necessary, you know, right away or, or, or maybe next year or so forth. So we just kind of um, play it on, you know, a floating kind of schedule. Some sometimes it's two new new models in a year. Sometimes there won't be any new models in a year, and it'll be the following year. So yeah. And like this year, for example, I don't have any um, global releases in 2021, but um, we have something planned for 2022, obviously. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You know, I was thinking you mentioned Rob's name and. Rob does a good job of marketing his boards by just going surfing every day. And, and you're like that too. I mean, you have this ability to, I mean, when I see you surf, I'm like, holy shit, I want to surf the way Daniel's surfing right now. You know, like he's, this board looks amazing. Um, how much of, how much does Firewire expect from you as far as like loading up onto Instagram, doing social media, um, showing up maybe at places you don't really want to surf, but going out and having a surf because it's good for business. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool. I mean, that's been naturally my career path since day, day dot. So that just, my surfing comes hand in hand with my designing, not only for um, R&D and prototyping, but to, to promote my own products and show, you know, people how they work. And, and it, you know, there's no better person than myself yeah. to, to go out there and, and, and show the board for what it, what it does best and no, and that's no different with Rob, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I naturally do that and want to do that. And, um, you know, so there's not really any pressure on their sense, but more of just a general mutual understanding that, um, you know, I'll come up with, you know, a handful of, um, images or, or um, clips a year to, uh, to promote the board. So, and, and, and also they got their team team to kind of fall back on too. And so it's a, it's a collaborative effort, but yeah, there's never any, anyone breathing down my neck to, to, to do something. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, do you think it's better for your brand to be in the USA, say six months out of the year and, and be in this area and doing the loops that you do and surfing Oceanside and going up to Rincon and surfing at wind and sea and just being in California for six months. Do you, do you notice an increase in, does Firewire notice an increase in sales when you're out in the North American public? 
Um, you know, well, that's an interesting question, Scott. You could probably you could probably put your opinion on that just as much as anyone. And um, yeah, I think for sure it would. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the states, and especially Southern California, and, and I I love that area, and I, I do enjoy spending time there. So there's absolutely no doubt that spending more time there would help um, that market over there um, be 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 hip to the newest things I'm doing, and and, yeah. and keep the keep the momentum going. So for sure. Uh, I want to get back to spending more time when? over there when we can. When can you get um, over here? Well, you know what? I've, I've, I would love to come back this year and, yeah. um, you know, the end of the year. So um, that's, that's my plan at, at this point in time. And um, I, the only, only um, problem with that is I've got, a, I've got a bit of an injury at the moment that I'm, I'm, I'm working on. So yeah. uh, I've got to just kind of figure out whether I need knee surgery or not in sometime in the next few months. So, oh wow, I've got um, some some uh, bad knees. Well, my back knees kind of hit the wall, and it's it turns out I've got some bone growth and stuff in there that's not not supposed to be be there. So, oh, I'm just, okay. I'm just in the early stages of diagnosing the uh, the issue and, and figuring out a schedule if and when I need surgery and and if that will affect my plans for this year. So. Um, we'll just see how that plays out. But at, at, at this stage, I'd love to come back in September. I think there's a, there's a, a show on, yeah? From yeah, the- yeah, the show, yeah, September 25th and 26th. Yeah, we'd love to see you. I hope you can get out here. Yeah, well, that'll be definitely on the top of my plans. Hopefully it doesn't interfere with my um, rehab. But, um, yeah, that'll, that'll be penciling that one in. And you've got, your, you've got a, a crew of good doctors surrounding you and you've got all the – the the best for your knee there or are you thinking about coming out here and seeing somebody here dr kramer comes to mind warren kramer i'm sure you know warren he, he does a lot of work on pro surfers yeah <laughs> it's funny you say that because um a part of my uncertainty is i'm i'm not finding the the doctors i'm i'm, I'm needing right now because uh it's it's kind of well like again we live in a rural area where we're not we don't have access <laughs> to the um the gun guys, you know, so I'm in the process of trying to get access to our best um, specialists and surgeons here. And, and, and for a variety of reasons, it's, they kind of put you on the back burner. Like you don't even get to get a consultation for like six weeks. And then, yeah. and then from there, you're not sure whether they're trying to like guide you into their like expertise and it may not be best for your ultimate right. rehabilitation. So I'm, I'm, I'm just in this, challenging zone where I'm even considering potentially coming over that way to to get some of the hero guys to um to to handle it so who knows I might I might end up be coming over for a variety of reasons <laughs> right right and are you familiar with Dr. Kramer um not so much I've heard of him and yeah. I, I actually follow Taylor Knox on Instagram and he just had some um knee surgery and it sounded very very similar to what I was what I'm suffering from so I might be uh, checking in with Taylor soon to, yeah. to, get, to get his advice um, and potentially, yeah. Yeah, I think Taylor Taylor will put you on to the right people for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many custom boards are you doing a month? You know what? As like all customs, they, they, they come in, you know, they've, it's, it, sometimes it's hectic and sometimes it's not so hectic. But, um, you know, it's actually not, it's not super crazy right now like i said the um the time frame and, and the shipping thing has kind of s- slowed things a little um yeah. 
you know, but I just, I, I generally like to just go in there and do a couple of boards a day, you know, and, 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 you know, yeah. a dozen a week or something. And that's, that's kind of my perfect little flow. And I kind of just enjoy managing my business small scale to, to just to suit my lifestyle and still give me the time I need to surf and develop new stuff for firewire. So yeah, I'm not out there trying to like blow minds with, um, you know, numbers. I, I like to do the high, high price point, high quality epoxies and, um, and cater to, to the fans of my designs who want to get the, the hand-shaped final best of the best Tomo design. So yeah, we've got a, you know, it's a nice little flow doing that over here and I'm pretty stoked how that's going. Yeah. Good. And, and what about, um, you know, you, you mentioned the sort of the state of the art, best of the best. And, and I started thinking about some of the stuff that Justin Turnus is doing with dark arts, which are these carbon vacuum bagged layups. I'm sure you've seen it on Instagram and, and around mm-hmm. any thoughts on other materials for your boards um, and, or any thoughts on, on these carbon boards? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know Justin. I, I remember him doing his carbon uh, boards when I was over there in the, you know, a few years ago living there. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, I, I love what he's doing. I love carbon. And, and if you recall, I was doing quite a few carbon boards in my early career too. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I love doing the carbon boards. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm a big, huge proponent for that that technology. And, and um, I'd love to do more of that in the future when the timing's right and, and the right, um, you know, yeah. plan is in place, I would love to expand my, um, my offerings, potentially in my customs, you know, doing carbons again, whether I take, take that upon myself with the skills I've learned in the past to build them or, you know, work with other guys. I'm not sure how that would look like, but um, yeah. yeah, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm all about improving the tech and, and the, and the, uh, the, the weight, lightweight and stronger boards and, I love that stuff. What do you think is the perfect weight for a surfboard? I mean, you know, not a big wave board, but just your average go-to daily driver. Is there, is there a board that's too light? Um, it's, diff- it's difficult to say. That's like one of those, it's, it all depends on the waves you're riding, the surf you are, and, and what you're used to. Uh, I don't think there's a perfect weight. There's a, it depends, you know, like if, if there might be a perfect weight for a, a nice day with no wind and then if it's howling offshore, it'll, yeah. board will, that same board will be too light, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think the most important thing is the, the flex is the key um, factor of a tech, whether yeah. it's too flexy, too stiff, and it, or the flex matches the, um, the characteristics of the design. Um, yeah, so I guess it comes to a bit of personal... Um, choice or um, preference but yeah sure I'm all about i'm all about the flex <laughs> flex all right flex is key. i love it uh you offered something on instagram your last post about the concept of the perfect nose design for a high performance surfboard and you basically threw it out to the public like what do you guys think and I, i'd like to hear your opinion on that yeah sure i mean i'm in the past i've, I've really focused in on different um parts of a surfboard design like you know in the early career i was really experimenting with tails you know and did a lot of the different tail designs and then you know templates and and and, and obviously a lot into noses um and once i started experimenting with different noses i, I found a lot more freedom in my surfing getting rid of the, the sharp point 
and a lot of that is subconsciously, you know, not having something that can hurt you um, on your surfboard, you know. So I've always been looking for the, the, you know, the perfect nose design and obviously I've got a variety of templates I do from a real rectangular board that wouldn't obviously need a nose, then more of a chop off. But when it comes to a normal shortboard design, I really strongly am opposed to having something sharp that can, can yeah. cut you on the, on the tip of your nose. It just really shouldn't be there. And I always keep asking this question of um, my followers or, or anyone who wants to pay attention that does, does that sharp point need to be there? And um, clearly I don't think it is. So I've been playing with, um, you know, some noses that aesthetically from, from a visual point of view of someone watching you surf, they look like a, a standard point of nose and potentially from a judge's point of view and for, for contestants to adopt a, um, a safer nose that helps them um, improve their performance um, limits in, in, a, in a contest. Um, yeah. It's good to just get rid of that little sharp point. So I, I have a little, like a false point, I call it. It's halfway between... Um, round nose and pointed nose it comes to a nice little radius at the top but the area really reduces in the tip and it's it's kind of like a nice little unique looking nose that i'm um, going to start trying to promote with my shortboard designs and is, um, is it yeah. the case that you draw like a like uh for lack of a better phrase a contemporary pointed nose and then you literally take off four inches like that and now you've obviously got a wider nose where the nose ends because you've taken off four inches of pointiness. I, I've, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm riding a pointy nose board now and I'm looking at it. I'm going, God, if I just took off four inches, now the nose is wider sooner. The wide points up now, like mm. there's a lot going on there. Do I need to add a little kick flip to the nose so that it, that part, because it did yeah, have a little, you know, it's always this, it's just this little, thing of subtle factors you know and one there's it even goes down to the just the simplicity of, of, of shapers just bringing intersecting two curves into a point that's the easiest way to to draw a template and to make it look attractive you know if you're, right. for any given shape you just you know just intersect those points it comes to a point it's easy you know it doesn't <laughs> take that much it doesn't take that much critical design expertise to do that but to make a rounded nose look attractive, because let's face it, we like to look at attractive boards, you know. Yeah. It's, we're, we're, we're connoisseurs of surfboards. It should look beautiful, you know, and it's, it's much more difficult to make a curved nose look beautiful. Yeah. So there's an art in that that people may, may shy away from at times and it's just easier to, to push this narrative that this pointed nose is the sexiest looking design, you know? So there's, there's that angle you could, you could potentially um, argue. And then, you know, is, does it, does an average surfer say these, these new people to the sport or, or guys who aren't super talented, you know, you got your average Joes, they might be a little insecure in their surfing ability, you know? So do those guys feel a bit more like, powerful and tough to be walking down the beach with a nice sharp nose <laughs> on their board. They're not going to get judged for their unique equipment, you know, right. because they, they might not have the knowledge to explain why they're riding a, a snub nose or whatever. And they, they might not just want to have to um, explain that to people in a parking lot because 
you know. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. So, the, you know, there's, there's these different reasons why this sharp nose persists in our sport. And it's, it's none of these reasons are because it works better. At least I don't believe so. What about at, some, at a place like Pipeline? Will we ever see a... And by the way, snub nose, you and I both hate that phrase, I think. I'm, I'm already trying to come up with a better marketing phrase, like yeah, yeah, something that has the word point in it, but it's not yeah. a pointed nose surfboard. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. There's, there's this kind of cliche names for certain designs. But, what are, um, what are the names you're putting on? What, like well, I got tor- torpedo nose, you know, right. like it's yeah. shaped like a, a torpedo of a submarine or something, you know, like it's, right. it's fluid dynamically engineered to displace water yeah. in, a clean, in a clean fashion. Um, you know, and I've got the false point, which is kind of like a point, but without the sharp tip, you know? Yeah. And um, what else, you know, like the chop noses, obviously the diamond nose of the faders and vanguards. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few. I'm going to wrap my head around it for a while I'm over a cup of coffee tomorrow and try to come up with something that may or may not work. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but but my I was getting to what about a pipe? Like, are we ever going to see a dolphin nose surfboard? Are we ever going to see pipeline littered with dolphin nose surfboards? Like that's the majority nose design. Well, I don't see why not. It's it would, it would just take the adoption or someone to to really you know to prove why that nose is the way it is when it comes to like big, big waves, you know, like let's get something straight. The, 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 the traditional template of what guys ride, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, they, yeah. they work fantastic. You know, John, John Florence has taken off yeah. later and deeper and, you know, like the guys are doing amazing stuff and the boards are working. Yeah. You know, I'm really just focusing in on that, that couple of inches at the tip of those boards and yeah. why that needs to be there. And, can you make a new little aesthetic to right. those boards without changing the whole fundamentals of those designs to just to make them a little safer? And, and I believe it would, it would make them look far more modern and, and 21st century. And if there was, if the right guys adopt, adopted them, right. They would really um, catch on. And then everyone would be like, duh, what, why are we even doing this? And it would just kind of disappear yeah. pretty quickly this this needle nose point you know so yeah I, I think there's no reason why we need to latch onto this tiny little bit of foam fiberglass at the tip yeah for these bunch of weird subconscious um attachments we have with a sense of power and ego <laughs> <laughs> i think you nailed it there's some insecurity behind that pointy nose <laughs> <laughs> possibly i was watching the the El Tomo fish with Coa Smith on his unboxed thing on the WSL's website, which is really cool. And um, he says something really interesting. He says, basically, you know, it's a good four fin when it feels positive, like a three fin, but it provides that extra bit of spark, something like that. I, I might've butchered it a little bit. Your thoughts on that, the, the idea that a four fin should feel like a three fin. Yeah, well, yeah, it should it should tick all the boxes of what you're looking for in a performance surfboard. You should have the control. You know, that's what three thing really gives you is a, is a control. It's exceptional at going exactly where you want it to go on a wave. But obviously, the the downside is that you got a little bit more drag, and you got to yeah. you got to put more input into the board 
put more energy into the board to make it work. Hence the, the name thruster. You've got to thrust that board around to get it to go. But the beauty of a quad, much like a twin, is it's got a lot more natural speed and flow. So you don't really have to generate the speed. The board, the board will have the speed and it's more about directing it. So I guess the goal of a good quad fin should have the control that you want. And you can The board will go exactly where you want it to go and has that thrust of predictability is, is probably what Carl was getting at. And, um, yeah, that's that's a part of that development process. You spend a lot of time in just fine-tuning everything, fin placements and fin designs and, and, and to get them to really hold and do exactly what you want the board to do. Are you um, only riding quads and twins or do you have, I know I'm, I'm sure you probably have some three fins. I mean, you got so many boards, but what's your go-to board look like fin wise? Uh, I ride a lot of quads these days, which is weird because I, 10 years ago, I, I wasn't into quads. I, I was kind of anti-quad and then eventually I got the right combo and I just kind of really gelled with them because I just like to flow my turns together. You know, that's, that's one, how I like to surf. I like to link and keep the speed throughout the wave. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, gravitated towards the quads and, and part of that's to just getting older and, and your body starts to break down and you, like my knees, for example, aren't the strongest. And, um, yeah, the quad just puts a lot less torque on the joints and the back and all that stuff. So it's just yeah. it's a bit of a, like a longevity thing too, just gravitating towards designs that put less um, wear and tear on the body. Yeah. Yeah. Relaxed fit jeans, right? <laughs> <laughs> what about all of our fins are static. All of our fins are placed in the board and they're static. The tips might bend a little bit but the bases are static what about the idea that the base when you do a turn the base is dynamic it moves a little bit the base of the fin moves a little bit any any i know you well enough to know that you think all through all sorts of crazy shit like this Mm. any thoughts on you know part of me is like look a static fin's killer because everything's neutral and i can design a board around it because i got i don't that's like another variable i don't need right now Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, there's also every idea is 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 worth experimenting with, and it, whether it has merit or not is a different thing. Um, I've seen guys who have approached me with similar ideas like that, and I, I think with my my first thought with a, a moving base would be is the energy you're generating into the fin when you put a board on rail. If it, if the fin was to move at the base your control of where you want to go on with your board. So if you want to point your board to the lip in a certain spot, if your fin kind of pivots in its angle, I think you'd find the board would want to weird out and do some weird ghosting manoeuvres on you. But that's not to say that concept couldn't be affected in a certain way, you know, to make that idea relevant, you know. So it's a tricky one. It all comes down to um, refinement of an idea and whether you can, if if it actually is functional or it's or it's more of a um you know fantasy kind of style of idea yeah i'm actually riding a board right now that has this fin system in it and it's 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 fascinating there's something there i'm not sure what it is and part of me isn't sure if it's the board with all that dish in the tail that i was telling you about or if it's the fins loading and unloading you know yeah 
Um, oh. Of course, a fin, you know, a pelagic creature has these fins that move, these fish, you know, and so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, there's no absolutely, I don't get take my word as gospel. Like I'm, I'm just yeah. going through my, my design process mind. Yeah. This there might be a, um, something amazing to be, to be achieved in, in that idea. And like you said, it might require a, a radical concave to make it work, to give you that grip where the rail engages the water so you don't need the fin to be so solid, you know. So there's, it's all about developing the idea and having the board complement the fin and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of kind of crazy fins, you made me a board, I don't know, a long time ago, and it had those it was a twin fin and it had those really cool hatchet fins. I don't even know the name of them. Mm-hmm. You know, which, yeah. you remember which fins are you sure, still? Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you employing those in any of your crazy designs or um, are you moved away from that for the time being? No, no. In fact, I do a, a, a similar fin with futures right now that we, we released last year, a, a quad fin hatchet with um, it's like a, an evolution of that hatchet fin idea where the, instead of a one bulbous um, kind of hockey stick tip, it's got a double um, kind of flipper effect fin. So it's like a double tipped hatchet where the fin kind of like hooks in twice and then goes into the, into the cutout at the bottom. So that um, the, the reason I experiment with that is that I wanted to get a little bit less surface area in the tip of the fin. So the fin um, wouldn't, skip out with that when it's uh, getting too much load through the tip by reducing that surface area in the, in the tip and giving it two tips it actually gave it more of a clawing effect where it really gripped the water wow. and you could actually put more energy through the fin and get more thrust and drive out of the fin than a traditional hatchet so those have been super fun um really drivey really controlled talking about making a quad fin feel like a three fin that takes that concept you know, oh, cool. Further, so yeah, those yeah. those have been really fun, and yeah, those been stoked on on that fin design. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give that a look. Well, um, what else, Daniel? What are, what are, what am I missing here? What else is going on in your life? Everything's good. Your knees <laughs> screwed good, up. We knees screwed up. I'm in a good place. I've just uh, you know. I've, I've relocated Australia full time. I've just built built a really nice house at my home break. Um, just moved in last year, and um, yeah, I've just been enjoying making making a home. You know, cool. <laughs> just getting set up, kind of getting my all my little tinkering zones in place. My shaping rooms at home. Um, got a new little um, dog that's keeping me company. Oh, cool! Good. <laughs> a girl, nice girlfriend, and um, yeah, life's life's good, man. I've been I've been really. Um, kind of kicking back well not kicking back but i'm um, just enjoying kind of making it to a certain level in life and, um, and yeah and really happy how things are going i just had my 40th birthday a month or so ago so I'm right in the on, well, and um yeah life's good man i'm just i'm just kind of using this whole global reset as my own personal little reset to reevaluate what i want to do and stuff and um, yeah it's it's, it's been, the time off from traveling has been great yeah good well, look, it's been good to see you. I will, um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to get out here in September for the boardroom show selfishly, but you got to do what you got to do to get your knee right. Yeah, man. Well, hopefully the two, um, two goals intersect there and I'll, I'll be out there regardless. Cool. Daniel, 
thanks so much for being on the show, buddy. And it's good to catch up with you. I hope to see you soon. Cheers, Scott. Been great catching up, mate. Yeah, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Peace. to you